Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Well, hello again. My name is Tim Hamrich. I am an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This program is proud to be a part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, so if you like what you're hearing here and want to hear more podcasts and YouTube uh, stars related to agriculture and farming, please head over there to their website, farmruralag.com. I have just been loving this uh, this series on blockchain. Not only is it just an exciting promise for the future of agriculture, but it's got some really interesting people um, doing some fascinating work in the space. And you, you've heard from several of them, and we, we certainly have another one on the show today. We have Emma Weston, uh, who's one of the founders of AgriDigital in Australia, and they are really focusing in on um Really kind of what I shared about my background being in commodity agriculture and some of the the drains on the supply chain, if you will, some of the baggage with the supply chain that's happened in the past um, that could possibly be made more efficient through the use of blockchain technology. So she's going to share a lot about those applications, kind of how uh, AgriDigital helps to um develop real world uh, solutions for problems related to transparency, efficiency, and trust between farmers and and post farm gate um, market participants. So they focus a lot of their attention, especially on that first origination from the farm. So the first time it changes hands. Um, and it's really some interesting stuff. She, she shared uh, right after the interview that they have a few pilots that they have completed, some proof of concepts. And if you go to their website, which is agridigital.io, you can learn a lot more about that. So I hope you enjoy this interview. It's, it certainly was an eye-opening one for me. I really, really enjoyed this. And in fact, I need to give a shout out to Ag News Daily, which is another podcast you could check out. Um, I first heard heard Emma on their program. They did a really good interview with her last summer. So if you like this and you want to hear more, head over there and, and you can uh, hear that uh, from, from their place, Ag News Daily. Anyway, enjoy this interview with Emma Weston. All right, very excited for this to speak with Emma Weston, who's the founder and CEO of AgriDigital. Emma, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. And now, as I understand it, Emma, you are a farmer. Uh, what prompted you to decide that you wanted to start a blockchain-based company as well? Yeah, the, the two don't often uh, go together. So I, I get that it might seem a little bit strange to some of your listeners, um, but it's true. Yes, I'm, I'm a grain farmer in Australia. Um, so I've, I have a, a grain farm with my family. I didn't actually grow up on a farm, so I, I married into it. Um, but we farm wheat and canola and chickpeas, you know, the, the usual grains um, in New South Wales in, in Australia. Um, but the, the, the reality is that through most of my working life, I've actually been working in agribusiness in various forms. So not just on the farm. Um, that's a you know, really important part of our family life. But um, most of my business life and my professional career has been spent in agribusiness working across in particular the grain supply chain in Australia, but also working with um, kiwi fruit and other horticulture. Um, I've worked in cotton and livestock as well, both, um, both you know, mainly here in Australia, but a little bit overseas. And one of the, 
the areas that I've always been really concerned about in my time in agribusiness has been around, um, I, I guess, areas of payment security for sellers in the supply chain and also efficiency and trust within the supply chain as well. And it was really those areas that started me, um, kind of a long story, but started me looking at blockchain as a possible emerging technology that could help with some of the problems that we wanted to solve at AgriDigital. And now, so you have a background in agribusiness, so you can relate to most of the people listening to this. So if they're sitting there thinking, wow, this, this uh, series uh, on blockchain is so interesting, um, how, do I, how do I kind of get involved? I would love to hear just the, the short version of, of your story of how did you go from thinking, okay, this, this blockchain thing's pretty cool to actually starting this company? Yeah, sure. So I'll try and give you the, the very short version because we can go back in and dip into anything that you, know, you think might be interesting for your listeners. But essentially, I've got two co-founders in this business, AgriDigital. Um, we've worked together in previous businesses and all of us are farmers um, in Australia. And we, when we started AgriDigital, we started two years ago very clearly with the mission of looking at how emerging technologies could help to solve deep and embedded problems in our agri-supply chains and our global agri-supply chains at that. And three particular problems that we were really interested in was payment security, as I already alluded to, but also the liquidity in the supply chain. So the ability of participants in the supply chain to access uh, ready forms of supply chain finance and to use their, um, their grain or their uh, physical assets as um, their, their agricultural assets as collateral for that. And the third area we were really interested in was the provenance piece. So looking at paddock to plate transparency. So when we were looking at those problems, I started looking at um, a number of different technologies and um, software platforms that were out there um, and emerging at the time. And there was nothing really that was that perfect. So we started building our own digitization platform for the supply chain. And around about the same time, blockchain emerged as a commercial use case. It sort of started peeling away from uh, just being a pure cryptocurrency use case and looking at the commercial application of blockchain. I got really interested into it. Um, I read very deeply. I went to a lot of meetups. Um, I just put myself out there as a complete... Uh, newbie as they call it you know someone who didn't know anything about this technology but wanted to know a lot and I just soaked up a lot of information um, and was able to with a combination of really deep domain expertise in agriculture start to look at how we could apply this new technology in new ways. Very cool and I'd like to dig into to each of those kind of three um, use cases or applications for, for agri-digital just to better understand. I think one, one of the things that's been difficult about doing this series about blockchain is it's sometimes hard to get to the tangible aspects, right, where the rubber meets the road. So, uh, for example, I know you mentioned now a couple times uh, the payment security uh, for, for farmers and anyone in the ag supply chain. Can you give us kind of an example of, of where that problem, how agri-digital sort of solves that particular problem? Yeah, of course. So, um, the payment security um, problem is um, that the severity of that problem depends quite often on the jurisdiction or the country that's involved. Um, but to varying degrees, uh, farmers across the world effectively don't get paid for what they deliver when they deliver. And this exposes them to the counterparty risk of the buyer. And this can be the same for any seller, in fact, through the supply chain, where they're exposed to counterparty risk um, on the part of the buyer that they're dealing with. And there's very, it's very difficult for the seller to do due diligence on that buyer to find out 
um, if that buyer is actually good for the risk that the, uh, the seller is taking on. In the case of farmers, it's almost impossible for them to, to do that level of due diligence. Um, so what we were very interested in was how could we look at ways in which we could do uh, delivery versus payment, as it's called in the financial industry, DVP, um, could we look at a real-time title transfer of the uh, agricultural commodity at the same time as the grower or the farmer is getting paid? And obviously, when we start looking at that real-time exchange with no intermediaries, so very low cost, um, but happening um, at the time that a physical uh, interaction is taking place, we want to look at what's called an atomic transaction, which is what smart contracts that sit um, on top of the blockchain layer are very good at facilitating. Um, so they are effectively able to take the creation of a digital asset and exchange that for or settle that with a digital payment. Um, and that's what we've been doing some very heavy experimentation around to ensure that farmers can get paid at the time that they deliver or so that we can actually do a digital escrow of a payment so they can get paid with surety at a later date. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that problem. In fact, where I've seen it is, uh, and I mentioned this in an earlier episode where I wanted to start doing business with a new farmer. And so I was willing to give that farmer a better price, but they wouldn't do business with me because for the exact reason that you just said, which is the, the effort to do the due diligence on me to make sure that I'm actually going to pay was so great that it just wasn't worth it. So what happens? They, they end up selling for a lower price. Somebody else gets that margin and not the farmer. Uh, and so I, I, I definitely see that. Uh, problem. Could you help us understand a little bit about what is it about blockchain that allows us to do that? You know, uh, why couldn't that transaction happen over the internet, you know, just like happens on, let's say, eBay or, or some other online exchange? Yeah, that's a great question. So the internet certainly facilitates electronic payments. Um, absolutely. Um, so that would allow us to do um, sequential transactions i.e. the farmer could deliver grain into um, a silo. Um, once that grain had been graded and weighed and a price um, had been attained for that quantity that had been delivered, uh, then a payment could be made electronically to the farmer. And that does indeed take place in many, you know, many parts of the world. Um, but what unfortunately can happen is that just as you know, you were alluding to your example and I was nodding vigorously as you were talking then because I've got a similar example as a farmer myself um, you know, where I, I had that same experience. I didn't want to sell to a particular buyer who was offering a good price because I didn't really know who that buyer was and I mm -hmm. couldn't be sure I was going to get paid. And the reason I'm so scared about that is because I have to make a physical delivery of my goods and give over custody of my chickpeas, it was in this instance, um, before uh, and expose myself to the risk of potentially not being paid but no longer having custody of my goods. So the internet doesn't help us solve that problem where a physical delivery is taking place and a payment is going to be made consequent on that delivery. What blockchain does via the smart contract layer is enable us to, um, from a technological perspective, to ensure that when the farmer is due to make a physical delivery of a good, um, the payment for that good, we can actually value that good in real time. And that's not just blockchain, but that's also through other emerging technologies um, such as IoT or Internet of Things and integrations with platforms like AgriDigital. Um, so it's a combination. I don't want to give the impression that blockchain is a silver bullet because it's not. It's a very good tool in our toolkit, though. 
Um, but what the, the farmer makes a physical delivery and at the same time that load is valued in real time and a payment from the digital wallet of the buyer can be made immediately to the farmer or if there is no money in that digital wallet, the farmer can be notified prior to making the physical delivery so that at least they hold on to custody of their goods and can sell them elsewhere um, and not risk that, that non-payment or late payment. Right. Hey, and, and elaborate more if you would, uh, Emma, on, on the, the financing side of things. So, so how, how could AgriDigital, how does the application work where it actually can um, help buyers get, get kind of more options when it comes to financing? Yeah. Um, so this is one of my favorite topics of all time, and you can start to cut me off if I if I. No, wrong. good. No, please. <laughs> I, I love it. I love, I love talking about liquidity and supply chains. Um, but, you know, the, the, the reality is in the supply chains that we have globally at the moment, they're, they're quite uneven in terms of how, um, how buyers are financed. There are a number of obviously tier one uh, buyers out there, uh, large multinationals and, you know, others who have very strong balance sheets and are well-backed and well-banked. Um, either they can bank themselves or they have very good access to, to finance lines with traditional banks. But there are a number of tier two, tier three and other buyers in various marketplaces around the world who are effectively either um, unbanked or are actually underfinanced. And so what they tend to do is use the um, farmer as their source of working capital by taking delivery of a commodity and then looking to on-sell that and use the proceeds from that sale to pay the farmer. So this obviously is, is quite risky, particularly in a trading situation. What we'd like to see is a situation where we can introduce um, automated and just-in-time supply chain finance that is, once again, happens in real time. So when the farmer actually makes a delivery um, of a good to a buyer and that buyer requires finance in order to um, ultimately acquire that good, we can actually pass the title of that agricultural good straight through to the financier who takes that risk onto their balance sheet and passes the payment straight through to the to the grower. Hmm. So I know that's kind of complicated when we're doing this in audio without the um, benefit of a whiteboard or a PowerPoint behind us, but essentially we're taking in um, a third-party financier into the buy-sell arrangement uh, and introducing a form of inventory finance that will later be settled between the buyer and the financier, but ensures that the grower gets paid um, immediately or as soon as possible and that the buyer has access to the finance and has the right to buy back that commodity at a, at a pre-arranged um, price. And this is something that's not unusual. It happens at the moment. It just doesn't happen with um, ubiquity, if you like, across the supply chain. It only ha there's only a handful, um, in, you know, in terms of world players of uh, buyers who qualify for these types of inventory financing or off-balance sheet arrangements. Interesting. So yeah, we're always talking about how blockchain is a ledger. So it's basically, uh, it's a ledger that is kept not only between the buyer and seller, but they're also inviting in the financier uh, so that they could be part of the kind of the transaction as well. Absolutely. At scale. Yeah, absolutely. And so the financier gets um, uh, the, the surety of the title to the agricultural good. Um, it actually, they, they get to hold that digital asset in a way that they can't um, currently um, and they're able to control that title. So the financier is more likely to be involved in um, novel arrangements with, with new clients 
and also to over time with the combination of IoT or the Internet of Things to get a better idea of that underlying commodity and their risk. And they can manage that risk in real time. And, you know, that's what banks and financiers want to be able to do. It's not that they don't want to loan um, monies to, to, to the various buyers out there, but they actually find it very difficult to understand, appreciate and to price and manage the risk of doing so. Right. Yeah. It gets right back to that example you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, this if it's grain, for example, it's going to get fed probably, you know, using the old system before anything is even settled. So we, we find out what the grades were and we find out what the price was and all that stuff after it already actually gets fed to cattle. So I, I think, you know, being able to do all that in real time is just extremely exciting. And I know you mentioned kind of those, those second tier um, sort of buyers of agricultural commodities. And I know in general, the I've heard you say in past interviews where your focus for agri-digital is on the, that first buyer straight from the farmer. Um, what's kind of the incentive for them as you go kind of pitch them, hey, you can use agri-digital to adopt this technology. Is it the, the financing piece or what's the kind of the big selling point? Yeah, it's a really good question. And we often get asked that question, what's the incentive for a buyer to pay earlier than they otherwise would have to? Um, and there's a couple of answers, I guess. You know, one is that using the AgriDigital platform, um, and we have, a, it's blockchain enabled, so it's either with or without blockchain. It's, um, you know, we, we realize that blockchain is still a very new technology for, for many in the supply chain. Um, and there's a, there's a journey that we're all going on in terms of the, um, our ability to use blockchain. Um, but in combination with the AgriDigital platform, we provide um, extreme efficiencies um, at very low cost to uh, these, these types of buyers so that they're able to lower their, their risk and enhance their back office efficiency in terms of their commodity management, both in terms of their trading as well as their financing activities um, and all of their inventory management activities, of course. So we, we offer a very, um, you know, in some ways a very uh, standard um, commodity management platform, but just highly enhanced with a, with a very um, nice user interface that makes it very easy for these types of buyers to, to use and interact with and for their teams to interact, interact with as well. Um, so that's one reason. Another reason is because we actually have taken a platform approach, um, there is a single source of data and a single source of truth. So one of the big issues across supply chains is actually reconciliation of data. And with a combination of the platform approach that we've used plus blockchain, we're able to effectively um, provide that single source of truth or single source of reconciliation across um, multiple actors in the supply chain, which really enhances efficiency and um, risk management. I guess the third reason um, would be around the access to finance. So for a lot of buyers, um, they would like to be able to increase the um, amount of commodity that they're buying, um, but they find that difficult to do so because they don't have lines of credit that um, are adequate. There are also pure commodities um, that just will not be financed by traditional banks. Um, an example would be chickpeas in Australia, where they, there will be no bank that will finance chickpea acquisitions um, because they can't hedge the risk of doing so. And so unhedgeable commodities are also something that's really interesting for us in terms of how can we de-risk that and improve the liquidity in those markets for those buyers. Um, a possible final reason um, is that a lot of buyers are saying to us they want to be more connected with the farmers that they deal with and they want to be more connected indeed down the supply chain. And so looking at the digital approach to supply chain 
has been really eye-opening for a lot of the customers that we have because they're able to better communicate um, and better leverage the relationships that they already have, but they just didn't have them in a digital form or in a data form. Um, they just had them in people's heads. So, you know, this idea of taking a supply chain as a, a loose, um, you know, group of people and actually putting it into a digital form that can be um, enhanced, you know, in terms of business practices and business growth is something that our clients are just starting to, to come to grips with. Yeah, it opens up all sorts of possibilities once you have all of this this data captured. I do have a question about that. So if I own, you know, uh, if I own, you know, Tim's Grain Service here in Central Texas, and I make my living because I have a really good relationship with farmers, I help them with risk management, so they sell me their bushels, and then I turn around and sell them to the multinationals that export them or or sell them to feed yards or whatever. I probably don't want those multinationals knowing who my farmer is. So in that case, I really don't want the transparency. Can you t tell us about how blockchain works in that context where I, I want to provide transparency to the process, but I don't want to give away my customer base? Yeah, this is also a really great question, Tim. And I think that, um, you know, the way I think about this is in some ways, we don't really know what a fully transparent world looks like. So I don't want to pretend that I have all of the answers here at all um, because I think it's an evolving space. Um, but you're absolutely right that um, supply chains have, you know, the, the role of participants in supply chains has often been enhanced by a lack of transparency rather than by having transparency come through to the marketplace. The transparency push is probably coming mainly from farmers and consumers. Um, so I think there is a wave of inevitability and for those um, participants who are ready to embrace levels of transparency, that will be very advantageous for them. But there are certain parts to transparency that perhaps, you know, are not needed. For example, complete pricing transparency across the market. If we have, if everybody knows everybody's prices, then, you know, do we really have a trading market? These are questions that, um, you know, we think about a lot at AgriDigital and we, we don't think that um, a perfect market is necessarily a perfectly transparent market, but it's a market where I can be certain that the people that I'm dealing with, um, I can trust within the, within the context of the network that I'm operating in. I think that you perhaps alluded to another point as well, which is blockchain um, starts to put into question the role of pure intermediaries. So those who do nothing other than stand in between um, two ultimate an ultimate um, seller and an ultimate buyer. And I agree that if you are just an intermediary who adds no other value to the transaction in the supply chain, I think blockchain could be quite threatening for those occupying those roles. Um, and the, the quest will be for those pure intermediaries to look at other ways that they can create value in the supply chain rather than just being an intermediary themselves. Hmm. Very interesting. So, so yeah, that would be maybe finding a niche or uh, perhaps, you know, utilizing your storage capability. I mean, I guess there's a, a, any number of things that you could do, but um, I, yeah, this is so, this is so fascinating. I'm, I, I really appreciate you doing this. Now, AgriDigital, is, is it an app that I would download on my smartphone and is it like a software as a service pricing model? How, how does that part work? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a platform. Um, so it's both a mobile and a web um, platform. Uh, so available on mobile devices, um, not as an app, but just actually as a, as a web platform. So you would just go to agridigital.io. Um, the 
the it, it is a software as a service pricing model and it's free to farmers at this point in time and then we actually charge the buyer and the storage provider based upon uh, loosely based upon around the, the volumes that they uh, transact okay and it, you would need both the farmer and and the people kind of downstream uh, to to all have I'll have bought into AgriDigital in order to use it for the entire supply chain, I imagine. Uh, so it basically works with, um, let's just say the first buyer um, is, is using, so your, you know, your local um, grain buyer is using AgriDigital. As a farmer, you would receive all of your contracts, um, payment information, invoices, everything to do with the sale of your grain, you, you would receive um, via AgriDigital without actually having to pay anything yourself. So um, you just would go into AgriDigital. It's a very simple you know, password that the farmer would just set up. Um, we've already got their details from the contract they've done with the buyer, so they just need to enter a password in and they would get access to all of that information that they could provide to their accountant, their advisors, or you know, indeed just use themselves. So it's actually very simple. The, the farmer doesn't need to do anything other, they just get an email link, they just need to click on that link and they would get access to all of that information. Very, very cool. Well, I, I heard on the uh, Ag News Daily podcast that you were on last summer, uh, you, you had mentioned that agriculture is the least digitized industry in the world. Why do you think that is? Because I, I will just give you a little context that as I've been researching blockchain, I think, you know what, like this all sounds really promising, but you know, the internet's been around a long time. How come we're not doing more of this stuff already on the internet? And then the blockchain is just the next kind of, you know, the next step beyond that. Uh, I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on, on, on why you think agriculture is the least digitized industry in the world. Yeah, this is, these are just my views. I'm, I'm, you know, I've thought about this a lot actually. Um, and I'm happy for if your listeners have other views or there's, you know, there's contrary opinion, I'm, I'm always happy to listen to it. But I think one of the reasons simply is, is that so uh, pretty much every country in the world conducts some form of agriculture. So we have a huge spread of developed through to developing countries um, where agriculture is a really important part of the economy. And given that, um, you know, there are very many, you know, developing and poorer countries that are where agriculture is at their base, you know, the internet is still not ubiquitous in those countries. Um, but increasingly, you know, we are, we are seeing the adoption of smartphone technology, which, you know, makes me highly, um, highly encouraged about the adoption of digital technologies and the potential for developing countries to, in fact, leapfrog um, the Western world. Um, but that's, that's another conversation. So I think it's just um, a, historical, um, a historical fact of the way agriculture has developed. Um, there is also, I guess, potentially... Um, the fact that throughout much of the developed world, um, we've had agriculture has not been a particularly, uh, if I can put it this way, sexy path to take um, for, the, for the last couple of generations. Indeed, in Australia, and I believe it's the case in, you know, the US and Canada and, and you know, and other kind of similar countries where quite often there's been... Um, the, the young people have actually moved away from the farm and have you know, gone into the cities to, to get higher paying jobs. And so agriculture just hasn't been highly valued, I don't think, um, nowhere near the way it should be in terms of the importance of agriculture to our, um, our overall economies, hasn't been a highly valued and sought after job. And there just hasn't been the type of investment in technologies that we would expect for such an important industry. But I think that's really changing and the, the, 
you know, you talked about earlier, you were speaking with Ripe.io and, um, you know, others who in, in the, the agriculture area, you can see that there's a really burgeoning interest in ag tech and it's, it's, it's coming very quickly and the work that I've been doing in developing countries has shown that there is a clear preference now to adopt digital technologies. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, we're definitely seeing the same thing in the U.S. And I think it, it makes it such an exciting time to be to be in agriculture. I, I, I uh, feel very, very lucky to to get to cover some of these stories because it's uh, it really is an exciting time. And Emma, I, I want to just thank you one more time for being on the show. I, I think I can relate very directly to the work you're doing at AgriDigital because of my uh, past career as an, as a grain merchandiser. And I can, I can really see the applications and where this is going. If somebody wants to reach out and perhaps even become an agri-digital co- customer, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, I would love to speak with anybody who, who has that interest. Um, we are um, opening up in the US and Canada this year. So this is a new market for us. And we'd love to talk to anybody who would be interested in um, either piloting AgriDigital, you know, and being part of the, the original cohort that's introducing AgriDigital to North America. And so I'd be happy to talk with them directly. My email is emma.weston at agridigital.io. So that's E-M-M-A dot W-E-S-T-O-N at agridigital.io. Or otherwise, just go to agridigital.io to our website, um, fill in an inquiry form um, and just, you know, there's a section there to say whether you're in a grower or, you know, a supply chain participant. And we will get back to you. That's something we're really proud of that we, we get back to every, every inquiry that's made. Um, you know, we're always interested in talking to, to all supply chain participants because we're always learning. Excellent. And actually, one last question before I let you go. Uh, for those of us who are, who are maybe not in a position to be a customer but would love to be involved, is there any chance of like an initial coin offering for AgriDigital or is that, is that not anything that's been considered at this point? Yeah, so this is something that is definitely um, something where we, we are really looking at. Um, for, from our perspective, um, we want this to, to make sense within the supply chain ecosystem. And so we're heavily looking at ways in which um, we can encourage a, a larger ecosystem participation in blockchain. And we think that an, an ICO might be the way to do that. Um, so I just say watch this space over the next couple of months. Excellent. Emma, again, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much, Tim. I really appreciate it. Very cool and interesting concepts there related to the use of blockchain when it comes to the, the farm level. I think uh, anyone in agribusiness or, or in production agriculture can relate to some of those uh, issues and, and the way that it can get resolved through technology like this is really, really exciting. So I encourage you to reach out to them, especially if you'd like to be uh, involved in a future pilot or as they roll this technology out to other producers in, in new areas. Uh, as I mentioned in early episodes, if you didn't catch it, we are giving away a really short book, almost a pamphlet, I would say, about the basics of blockchain. So if you'd just like to get more of the fundamentals, it's not an agriculture focus, but uh, it's a book that I got early on, read, and uh, now giving away to entice you to join our community. And what I mean by that is it's simple as giving us your name and email address, and we want to keep you up to date about some of the background and some of the follow-ups with people that you hear on this show. In order to get in uh, eligibility for that book and to get into the community, go to futureofag.com. You will see right there front and center um, a free blockchain book giveaway uh, 
link that you can click on. So uh, check that out. Check out AgriDigital. And we will be very, very close to wrapping up this series. We just have a couple episodes left to go. So hope you've enjoyed this. And and please uh, send me your feedback. I'm at Tim Hamrich on Twitter. T-I-M-H-A-M-M-E-R-I-C-H. Thanks as always. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.